Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. If you have a good attitude, I'll let you be seated right now and uh, don't really have a text uh, for you to read, uh, but we're going to be in uh, Daniel chapter 4. If you want to go ahead and uh, turn there with us. A couple weeks ago, we, um, we started a little study in the, in the book of Daniel, um, and we, we talked a couple weeks ago about uh, taking a stand and, and how, how we stand up for what truly uh, matters most. And so we're going to kind of stay in that same uh, lane this week and take a look at Daniel chapter 4. And today, uh, I, I want to talk to you about so a couple weeks ago, we talked about standing up and, and taking a stand and, and things like that. But this morning, I want to kind of focus in on how do we do that? How do we um, stand up for what is right? And uh, have you ever, I'll just ask you this, have you ever felt God prompt you to do something? Anyone? Anybody ever felt God prompt you to go somewhere or maybe to say something that might be a little difficult to say, right? Sure. I mean, that's one That's one of the realities about this journey, right? At, at some point, um, it doesn't matter who you are. Uh, someone you love is going to make unwise decisions. Wives, you can stop side-eyeing your husbands right at the very moment, but you need to listen up this morning, but. All right, no, but it's the truth, right? The people you love and care about are going to make bad decisions. And, and every now and then, God is going to prompt you. God is going to prompt us to stand up for what is right and help them get back on the right path. Amen? And that's what we're going to talk about for the next few uh, minutes. And I'm going to talk to you from this title, kind of giving you the answer right up front for how to deal with these situations. I'm going to talk to you from this title, Gently and Humbly. Gently and Humbly, unlike the, the photo. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. This is, a, this is a rather difficult subject to teach on. Um, because I hope that you don't hear it the wrong way, okay? Because there are some people who are so overly confrontational that when a message is given like this, it's like giving somebody a loaded gun, right? And they're like, let's, let's go kill somebody. Like, the, we're, we're on the hunt. And so I want to I wanna, I wanna walk into it carefully and with wisdom because there, truly there are some people who are overly confrontational. Nobody here, they're all at other churches. But but, you know, I'm kidding, right? Right. So just, just for fun, just for fun, by, by show of hands, how many of you would say that you're more naturally non-confrontational? Would you raise your hands up? I know there's more of you than that, but somebody's like, I don't want to raise my hand. It calls too much controversy. <laughs> it's going to trouble. I'm just going to stay neutral here, right? Okay. Those are, you know, you're... But then again, how many of you are, would you consider yourself to be very confrontational? Would you raise your hand? Some of you might raise both hands because that's the type of person that you are, right? It's just like, bring it on. This is who I am. So to, <laughs> to be, to, yeah, I see, I see it. 
To be real honest, if you're taking notes, here is one reason that this message is, is very challenging, okay? Because there are, there are two extremes uh, when we're dealing with this. There's extreme number one. Some are more unwilling to confront, okay? And that's the majority, right? There, the majority is that we tend to rationalize things out. Well, it's none of my business anyways. I'm just going to live and like live. Uh, who am I really to, to judge, right? And then the other extreme is that some people confront, but they do it unlovingly. In fact, if you, you might know what a drive-by shooting is, right? I would say that there are some people who do drive-by confrontations, okay? They don't have any context. They, they don't have any relationship. It's just blah, blah, blah. I'm going to tell everybody where they're wrong and when they're wrong. And with social media, right, this is, so, this is so easy for people who don't know you, people who don't have a clue about anything, the context of what, what's going on, the context of what you're saying, just to come out and just pound out a response, right, and correct everybody. We talked about the, you know, the Facebook Bible police a couple weeks ago. It's like, we're just going to set them straight. This is what it really means. And this is what it's usually. There are people that feel like it's their God-given right because they're always right and you're always wrong, right? And so we, we need, what do we need, Bryce? We need to seek God for wisdom as to how do we confront in the right way at the right time for the right reasons, remember? Because if you are a follower of a Christ, a follower of Christ, which I would assume we are, there will be those times when God will call you to intervene in someone's life because you love them. Okay, if you're a parent, uh, you may have a child that's making bad decisions, okay, and you need to know when is the right time to step in so that I don't really do some, do some damage here and maybe push too hard and push them away, but, but to bring them back to the things of God, okay? So we need God's wisdom to deal with that. Or you may have a family member that's just making what poor decisions, whether it be poor financial decisions, or and, and you know that from your angle, from your lens over time, that it's going to be devastating to them. And so God may call you because you love them and you care about them to step in and say, hey, here's a better, here's a better way, okay? You may have a relative that's just a judgmental pain in the neck, right? We all have them. Okay, every family has them. And somebody's like, well, my family does. That's because it's you. Okay, you. Every family has one. Okay. Every get together, they all say something, and everybody's just like, whoa, you know, it's like tense in the room. So finally, God may call upon you to stand up and say, hey, in our family, we're not going to do this. Can you please pass the potatoes? So there will be those times, right? You may have a friend who's thinking about buying a cat, you know, and for the sake and glory of God, you're going to stand up and say, no, this is not the path of the righteous. Okay? God will call upon you. I'm getting some booze in our daughter work back there. But on a, uh, but on a, more, <laughs> on a more serious note, you, you will need to stand up, right? You, at certain times for the right, for the right thing, okay? And so that's what we're going to look at today in Daniel chapter 4. Uh, last time we talked about King Nebuchadnezzar and 
And if you'll remember, this was, this was an evil king. I mean, I can't even really put it into words how evil King Nebuchadnezzar was. It's almost impossible for me to describe how oppressive his treatment of the people actually was. But just kind of give you an idea. How many of you remember Saddam Hussein? Okay, Saddam Hussein, he actually saw King Nebuchadnezzar as his ultimate hero. Okay, Saddam actually believed that he was King Nebuchadnezzar reincarnated. So just to kind of paint a picture of the evilness and the, uh, the oppressive nature. And so what's, what's interesting is Nebuchadnezzar actually saw God work, okay? And he saw God move enough to where it got his attention, and he even, he even kind of would lean toward the things of God and kind of walk down that pathway uh, quite honestly, like many people do. I think there are a lot of people that at some points in their lives, they are drawn to the things of God. And then like Nebuchadnezzar, their, their pride would kick in and they pull back just a little bit and they're just like, oh, forget about that. And maybe there are some, you know, you know, some of you, you've had that kind of ongoing, maybe spiritual tension where you're kind of gonna go after God and you're gonna, you're gonna walk that way and then you do your own thing. And that's, that's kind of what was going on uh, with Nebuchadnezzar. And so God, God gives him this crazy dream. And the dream so frightened him that he couldn't sleep, okay? And so he calls in his magicians and his interpreters, and he said, what does this dream mean? Like, what is going on? And it's interesting because you look in some version of the Bible, some version says that they couldn't interpret the dream, and some say they wouldn't interpret the dream. And so just a thought, um, I think they would not interpret the dream because if you hear the dream, I mean, a second grader could probably interpret the dream. And I'm thinking they knew exactly what it was. And they're like, I'm not going to tell the king any of this bad news because Nebuchadnezzar and the other kings were famous for actually killing the messenger of bad news. Right? So the king's like, what is it? What guys, what does this mean? And, and they're like, I don't, I don't know, King. This is a, this is a good one. Uh, you know, maybe, uh, ask Mike. And Mike's like, uh, you know, um, yeah, this is a real doozy. I, I mean, maybe, maybe we should uh, bring somebody else in. I'm not really sure what's going on here. And so that's what the king did. The king went and he asked Daniel, who last time Daniel was probably 14 or 15 years old in the story. Um, this, this, this week, he's probably 45 to 50 years of age. He's, he's already interpreted dreams for the king before. And so they had this relationship that has been solid, right? And so the king says, he says, Daniel, here's my dream. And he tells him, and he said, I dreamt about this, this giant tree that reached up toward heavens. And the branches and the leaves gave so much shade that it was a blessing to all these people. And animals lived in the tree, and the fruit provided for many, many people. And suddenly a holy one from heaven shouted, cut down the tree, only leave a stump. And so that everyone would know that God is the most high God and rules over all the nations. So Nebuchadnezzar tells this dream to Daniel, and Daniel gets real, real quiet. And, and he, he doesn't want to initially just interpret the dream, right? And so, I mean, what could Daniel have done, right? If I'm Daniel, I might have said, you know, wow, I don't I really know what that means. You know, I might have said, you know, I'm sorry, King, I'm actually retired from, you know, interpreting dreams, and, you know, I'm actually into golf and gardening now. But, you know, um, I've, I've moved on to things, you know. That, there could have been an option of what he said, right? He, he could have said anything. I mean, 
Did you eat something weird before you went to sleep and you had this like weird dream, you know, or just don't worry about it. I'm sure it means nothing. But instead, instead, we're going to watch as Daniel lovingly stands up to the king. And he helps to try to point him in the right direction, which is what we're trying to do. What does this dream mean? You know, dreams, dreams, can, be, dreams can be really wild, right? Did anybody have a dream last night? All right. Dreams are, are a wild thing. They, 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 can, they can mean certain things, and people just have some wild dreams. I tend to have dreams if I, if I hit the snooze button, right? If I hit the snooze button and drift back off into sleep, that's when I have some wild, crazy dreams, falling in a school bus, going over the cliff, never land, just, you know, just wake up and stuff. Dreams are wild. But here, here's what we've got. We've got the king. There's a big tree. There's the, the holy one from heaven that says, cut it down. And he says to Daniel, who interpreted dreams in the past, what does this mean? And Daniel doesn't want to answer. And the king says, come on, Daniel, tell me, tell me what it means. And the first thing Daniel says, verse 19, he says, my Lord, if only the dreams apply to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries. <laughs> in other words, He's showing he actually genuinely cares for the king. Daniel's like, I wish this wasn't true of you. And then Daniel tells the truth. He says this in Daniel 4.22. He says, your majesty, you are the tree. He said, you become great and strong, and your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky, and your dominion extends to the distant parts of the earth. And then you'll see in verse 25, he translates the dream, and he says, here's what it means. You'll be driven away from people and live with the wild animals. You'll eat grass like the ox and be drenched with the dew of heaven. He's like, I, I mean, you're going to be down on all fours like a wild animal and a crazy man. He says seven times this will pass. This means seven years. Seven years will go by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. Verse 26 says the command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots. This is actually good news. It, it, he's like, King, it means that you're going to be restored when you acknowledge that, that, that heaven rules. And so Daniel interprets the dream before the king. Now, what's interesting is Daniel could have stopped right there Be because he did what the king asked him to do. He could have said, here's the interpretation. This, this, is what's, this is what's going on. And he could have very easily left it at that, but Daniel didn't leave it at that. And you're going to notice Daniel has the courage to do something, hear me, that literally risked his life. He, he stood up. He stood up to the king, not because he was proud of himself, not because he was arrogant, not because he wanted to correct the king, not because he thought that he was better than the king. He stood up to the king. Why? Because he loved the king. And he wanted the king to know the goodness of his God. And this is what, this is what he had the courage to say in, 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 uh, in verse number 27. King Nebuchadnezzar. Please accept my advice. In other words, I care for you. I want what's best for you. And then he says, then he says what? He says this, stop what? Sinning. <laughs> stop sinning and do what? 
what is right, okay? Stop sinning and do what is right. In fact, anytime you're going to help bring loving correction to anyone, this basically summarizes what you're going to say. You know, stop sinning and do what is right. Stop spending money foolishly and do what is right. Stop being so harsh and do what is right. Verse 27, stop sinning and do what is right. And then he says, break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. Stop oppressing the people. God's given you influence. Be a blessing to the people that, that, that serve in your kingdom. Be merciful to the poor. And then he says, perhaps then you will continue to prosper. In other words, king, please do what's right because I want what God wants for you. I want you to be blessed. King, please do the right thing. Now, I, I don't know when it will be, right? I don't know when it will be. I don't know under what circumstances, uh, but if, if you are following the Lord and you're living within Christian community as we're supposed to do, we're supposed to live, we're doing life together, brothers and sisters in Christ, we're encouraging one another, we're loving one another, we're praying for one another, we're supporting one another, we're doing life to, around God's word. We're, 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 we're doing, if that's where you are, there's going to be a time when God's going to call you to stand up to someone else who's making the wrong decisions to help bring them back to the path of God. Just in the same way, there will be times when God will call others to stand up to you because you're blind to it, as I've been blind to many things. To do what? Help us get back on the right path. And so whenever God calls you to be the one to stand up to someone else, it's important for us to be prayerful about this, to be prayerful about this. In fact, I want to take you to a New Testament verse that really mirrors exactly what Daniel did with the king. Galatians 6, and, and we're going to look at verse 1, and this is the Apostle Paul um, talking here to the, uh, the Galatian believers. And this is what he said, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should do what? Yeah. Gently and humbly, not arrogantly or harshly, that you see as so often people do. Gently and humbly, what should we do? Help that person get back on the right path. I, I love this imagery. It's like, because, because I love you, I, I'm here as a brother in Christ, as a sister in Christ, Gently and humbly, I'm no better than you, but man, I want you to get back on the right path because you're in a place that could end up hurting you, and I care about you enough to say something to help get you back on the right path. Then Paul says something very interesting. He says, and be careful not to do what? Be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. You see, when we, when we confront somebody, we're going to be prayerful about it. We're going to ask God to give us wisdom. But I want to give you a couple simple prayers that are memorable and I think very applicable to any kind of spiritual confrontation, okay? The first one, if you're, if you're, if you're taking notes, is this. 
God's, if God's calling you to confront someone, pray this. God, help us to confront with the goal of restoration. Help us to confront with the goal of restoration, not the goal of winning an argument, not the goal of being right at the end of the day, with the goal of restoration. God, help us. We want to help people that we love do what? Get back on the right path. So we never confront because we are right. We only confront to help someone else be right with God. We, we don't confront because we're right. Oh, I'm right and you're, you're wrong and I'm so correct. I am so, no, no, no. We confront to help someone else get back on the right path with God. That's the only reason, church, that we ever confront. Let's read it again. Gently and humbly help that person back on the right path. You've got to understand, approach matters. Timing matters. Drive-by confrontation, angry people on social media, people they've got no relationship with, it's ineffective. It's in the context of it's in the context of a relationship where we're trying to help bring restoration. That's the ultimate goal. Quite honestly, it's one of the reasons why our fellowship is so important because we're doing life uh, with other believers. We're walking with them, and 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 if you, if for you, Christianity is just going to church whenever you can, you're not getting very far in the things of God. It's only when we open up our lives and we open up our hearts and where we're vulnerable with others and you have access to speak into my life and you give me access to speak into your life, that's when really we start to see progress. That's when we start to see relationships work. That's when marriages start working. That's when parents can can child, parent their children together. That's when we really really can press into the deeper things of God when we open up our hearts. God, when we confront, help us to confront with the goal of restoration. And then the the second prayer I think that we should pray is, God, help me to confront with caution. Help me to be cautious about this. And and it's it's really interesting that the Holy Ghost inspired Paul to put this in. Okay? Gently and humbly help them back on the right path. You who are godly, you should be doing this. But be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. See, when, 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 you're, um, when you're confronting uh, other people, guess what? You become vulnerable to pride. Well, you know, I'm spiritual and they're not. You know, and we, we polish our halos and we, we move on to the next victim, right? And, you know, and before long, we can embrace this really prideful, sinful attitude. Well, you better just, you, you better just bless God that I'm in your life, pal. Like, because I'm here to save you, okay? I'm here to save you from the pit of hell. And if you keep going that way, you're in big trouble, you no good sinner, right? But if you follow my life, if you follow my example, and live like the righteous, you have the fruit and the freedom of our good God. Okay? That's, that's how some people can be. And we don't want to do that. So we've got God help us to be cautious. Help us to be careful. And here's the reality. Uh, 
if you're concerned about a specific issue to confront somebody about it, it could be that A, God has given you a burden about that issue, or it could be a second option, it maybe reflects a weakness in your own heart. And so you need to understand that. And so we have to be, we have to be careful. That's why it's gently and humbly, gently and humbly we go about this. We've got to be cautious. We've got to be careful. We've got to understand this. We have to be so, so careful. You see, if I ever lovingly bring correction to you, I am not higher than you. If you ever lovingly bring correction to me, you are not higher than me. We're all lower than God. And when we realize that we're all lower than God and we're trying to lift each other up to the things of God, that's when we can do it accurately. That's when we can do it efficiently and we can see progress and we can see growth. And that's why I told you this is a rather difficult message to teach because the last thing we want is a church of people who are against each other. That's the worst thing. That's the worst thing that could, that could happen. I do not like it when Christians are only known for what they're against. I do not like it. Well, we're against this, and we're against that, and we don't do that, and we don't go there, and we're against this also. That's great. What are you for, though? What are you for? I want to be known for what we are for. I want Landmark to be known for what they are for. And we are for the kingdom of God. And we are for other people. And we want to see others get closer to God. We want to see people get back on the right path. I mean, the last thing I, and that's why I wanted to be careful with this, and, uh, and, and, and teaching this lesson, be, lesson because, again, it's like sometimes with overly conf- confrontational people, it's like giving them a loaded gun. Say, here you go. You need to go and confront. But the last thing I want you to hear this morning is like, well, Bryce said we need to go and find three people to confront them before sundown tonight. And so, no, no, that's not what I'm doing. That's not at all what I'm doing. We're, we're not looking. We're not looking for this. We're not looking to correct others. We're looking to help others. We're looking to help one another get closer to God. I'm going to ask our music to come. This, this, this is what we're called to do. And, and so that's exactly what Daniel does. And I, I love it. Um, Daniel's like king. He's like, man, I love you. I, I wish this didn't apply to you. I wish it was for your enemies. But guess what? This does apply to you. Here's what it means. And I humbly and gently tell you, David, or Daniel says, please accept my advice. Please accept my advice. Stop sinning and do what's right. Because if you do that, Daniel says, maybe you'll continue to prosper. Maybe God will continue to bless you. So what does the king do? Does he go, oh, you're right, forgive me. Let's take communion and sing the goodness of God medley together. No, that's not what he does, is it? You know the story. Story goes on. He continues to rebel against God. Daniel did his part. he, He said he took a stand against the king, risked his own life said what he was supposed to say, 
the king doesn't respond with, yeah, let's, let's pray together, man. No, he, he continues to rebel against God, and seven years goes by. Seven horrendous years. A lot of you are going to get it right. The Holy Ghost is going to speak to you. The Holy Ghost is going to prompt you, and you're going to obey. Not, not in an overly confrontational way, not arrogantly, but the right way at the right time. And you're going to lovingly, lovingly confront somebody. And sometimes, sometimes they're going to turn from that path they're on, and other times they won't. But here's what I hope that you'll hear. You're not responsible for their response. You're simply responsible to be obedient to what God called you to do. <laughs> you do it right and you trust God with the results. And that's what Daniel did. And seven years later, by the grace of God, by the grace of God, seven years later, verse 34 says, at the end of that time, seven-year period, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven, and my sanity was restored. He said, then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. Seven years later, this evil king repents of his sin. He turns to God, and God is glorified because he worked through someone who had the courage to stand up. Someone who had the courage to stand up to a king that had the power to take his life. Sometimes you're going to have to take a risk. And it can be messy, and it can be dirty, and it can be ugly, but when it, whether, whether you in your relationship or in your job or whatever. It might be a situation with your boss where you gently and humbly stand up for yourself. Or your child who's going the wrong way, and you say, listen, I love you too much. I made the same mistakes that you're making. I was young once too. Would you please listen to me? I want to help give you some solid advice that will bring you in the right direction. And when the Holy Ghost connects in your heart and works through you in God's perfect timing in his perfect way, I believe that you're going to, we're going to gently and humbly help people get back on the right path. Not because we're right. Not because we're right and they're wrong. But because it's our desire to help them be right with God. And we're open with, with when others want to help us be right with God. I hope that you're open when people see something. People that, that, that know you and love you and kind of see a shift in your life. I hope that you're open and receptive to, to hear the voice of the Lord that's trying to speak through that friend or that loved one. Gently and humbly. Gently and lowly, you could say. 
I'm no better than you. I'm not smarter than you. This is just what God has shown me. This is what God told me to share with you. And I love you enough to say something. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.